Hey, my name is Adam Whitescarver, and I'm the executive director at the Chattanooga House of Prayer, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for listening today, and I hope it encourages you and gives you perspective to see the beauty and the diversity of God's church, both in Chattanooga and the church at large. Thanks for listening. Hello, I'm Adam Whitescarver, your host for A Beautiful Church Podcast. This is part two of four sort of, with Jason Leonard. We're going to pick up in the middle of our conversation, which had no great natural break points, and we're going to talk, you're you're entering into the conversation right where we've been talking about students having anxiety and depression built up by a bad use of social media. And then we're, as you're going to see, quickly going to change subjects, but I just wanted you to know what it is that you're getting into when you listen to it. And the reason why we change subjects so quickly is because Jason interrupts himself. I don't do it. At least not at first. He does it. <laughs> so here you are. So, and you think that that's probably what's building that. It, it either goes between anxiety and depression or anxiety unto depression or depression yeah. slash anxiety. I mean, the, yeah, there's so many confounding factors and contributing factors. I mean, the habits that are built in, the, the lack of silence and space for reflection. Um, culturally, this is a huge place we could take, take a right turn for a minute. Um, but culturally there are, there's a breakdown and some of us think that's really good, but, but the reality is for many students is a breakdown in, in norms. And so, um, they don't know what the target is as they're growing and making decisions. And and so, you know, there, yeah, there's just so many things coming at them right now. Social media is a huge thing. I, I don't think it's, um, you know, just curmudgeon to say the, the social media, you know, kind of thing. Right. Um, uh, I think it's real. It's very real. And, and students I want my curmudgeon nature affirmed. I, yes. What I meant by it's real is your curmudgeon nature is real. Uh, uh no, oh. um, the, but students, when I, when I, ref- Oh, Oh my gosh, here's a great story. Um, did you just I, interrupt yourself? I did. I, I did. did. That's my favorite thing to yeah. do. Cause I, I talk too much. So I got to interrupt myself. Oh wow. You, you should, which you doesn't help. Down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, can so, you remember to come back to where you were? Eh, we'll see. Uh, so I was, I was at this retreat recently and I had, we had asked, um, all the, the participants, 80, 200 students there, I suppose. And, um, I had asked, um, all of them to, to turn off their, actually I asked them to, to report first how much screen time they had been using over the last Ooh. week and Ooh. out loud. And we Ooh. heard some different stories and, um, can you give like them what the max of that was? I think, I think one person had eight hours a day on Ooh. average over the past week. The lowest was an hour and a half. Oh no, there was somebody who had 30 some minutes a day, um, over the last week. And, um, we asked them all to turn off their phones and just said, turn it off. And we're going to pray into this anxiety that you're probably feeling because at this point, it's not just that you like your phones. There's been addictive habits built into them and whatever. And anyway, so, um, we, we, uh, we taught for a little bit, Kirsten and I, my coworker and I, we, um, taught for maybe 45 minutes to an hour. Then there were some breakout groups for another hour. So I think by the time this woman approached me, there had been about two hours of her phone being off. And she says, I'm dead serious. She goes, Jason, I can smell more. And I said, what are you talking about? And she goes, I can smell more. And I said, I'm sorry. I don't know the context for this. And she goes, since I turned off my phone, and I said, how does that relate? She goes, I just feel like my senses are heightened. Wow. And it was like, I mean, I was very hard to keep a straight face right? And, and somewhere between like laughing and crying. I didn't know what to do, you know, but I was like, I'm really glad you, that you can smell more, wow. you know? Um, but there's, there's a sense in it's which one of those moments she, where you're so encouraged in ministry because you're like, it's working. And then you're oh, also like the reality saddened of this by stuff? totally this is too needed Lord. Oh, my I want to back yes. away from it. Yeah. Oh, and God. so, you know, I have these, but, but here's what that, that illustrates for me. It, it, and there was a number of other 
not so dramatic comments throughout the weekend about this. Um, that's the student, the students I'm working with, they, they, they feel enslaved to it and they would be able to articulate that if you tease it out just a little bit for them. Like if I said, do y'all feel enslaved to your phones, to, to Netflix, to screens all day? I mean, does, does that resonate with you? Most of them would nod their head and say, yes, they aren't going to say, um, you know, there was, oh gosh, there was a story. Um, I heard this in the, Maybe this cultural moment podcast or something. I don't Fabulous know. podcast. Can, can you get some royalties from them? I don't know, but uh, I don't they, think they're making that much yet. But they're good. They're good. This stuff. will be bigger than that for sure. So, for sure. Uh, but I, I think somebody there maybe told this story, or I, I might have been a New York Times article. Um, but it was a it was a, a gentleman giving a, like a keynote speech um, uh, with 250 uh, designers in um, Amsterdam. And these are all people working with these big global companies doing like marketing and design um, to help uh, generate clientele and generate money. And this uh, this person in the middle of their keynote speech said, raise your hand if you want to live in the world that you're creating. And not one person raised their hand. Mm. Wow. You know? And uh, I think that there's a sense in which college students know that. Like they know that this stuff isn't good but but this suck this sucker is driven by money and stuff's coming at him. I mean, creating addictive habits. Right, I mean, right. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm de- I'm deep in the world in like weird ways. I, mean, I read like a philosophy book on video games recently, and this guy Ooh. wrote this whole chapter. Is his PhD work on this stuff, and he wrote this whole chapter on uh, on how the the games which people are playing on their phones are are technically speaking rackets, and we should outlaw them in the same way we outlaw a lot of gambling um, because wow. they are they're actually creating. It's different than Super Mario Brothers, you know, or something like these are games that you play for free yeah. and they, they allow you to play them for free because they know that they can hook you and they're making money on this. And we're, we're, we're not innocent people. We're, we're victimized by this. Now, of course, the response to us is have better habits and disciplines and resist. Right. But there is a global machine. Uh, there's a spirit of darkness, I'd argue, you know, at, right. at work. To, to create addictive habits in you because people can make money off them. Right. And, you know, to, to, it was just today. Uh, so if, you, if you've been, if you live in Chattanooga or if you are hearing this and you're outside of Chattanooga and you run through Chattanooga, you should stop at a place called the Bread Basket. They have fabulous, they fabulous, fabulous bread. bread. Absolutely. And so we had this loaf laying around and I, I was eating way <laughs> too much of it. In fact, it's possible that I just ate that loaf today and not lunch possible that might have actually happened and i was cursing the bread you know i was saying you know i can't i've never heard anybody say loaf without bread stupid (laughs) stupid bread you know i just can't not eat it and i was like you know it's really pathetic of me that i am insulting the bread right now i should be like cursing my own self-control like stupid (laughs) self-control that's right right. you know it applies to everything yes of course uh, yeah so you know this is just a an interesting topic. And, you know, it is, it is a moral issue. Like how do those, how do yes. those people sleep at night? You know, it's one of those, yes. uh, we're, how, what can we do to get people even more addicted, uh, to these things? And, and, you know, for me, I think back when I was in, I got my, my grad degree and my undergrad degree and there wasn't much technology. Well, actually there was, when I was getting my grad degree, the iPhone had already come out, but I was a, you had like paper and pen. I held out for things. a long time. Mm-hmm. I held out for a long time. And, uh, uh, yeah, I actually heard, I will, I will leave this person anonymous, but I was saying, talking about pens and this millennial said to me, well, I, I use a pen like maybe once a week. <laughs> I was horrified by that thought. I was like, what, what? I'm, I'm a grandpa. No, no, uh, calligraphy is coming back for, as a fad. It'll be so all over. Cool. Yeah. yeah. People will spend like a hundred dollars on a pen, but they won't buy a Bic. Right. You know, that kind of right. thing. Yeah. Right. They're too good for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, you know, I, 
So in my comprehensive exam in my in grad school, I had to write 168 pages in uh, six days. Okay. So I remember that you know very clearly. That's a lot it was, of pages. It was it was a ridiculous amount of work, but I remember thinking afterwards, how did I get through that? And it was because when it came time to write that paper, I realized, oh, I had spent lots of time thinking about that. Sure. I even remember I had gone through uh, the Atlanta airport, mm-hmm. and I was um, I was thinking through certain. Uh, theological, philosophical things just while I was sitting there, you know, you're on that little tram and I looked up and I saw everyone was on their phone. Yes. And I thought, for, so for every moment I have where I'm just standing in the grocery line or mm-hmm. when somebody, you know, you're, you're having lunch with somebody at a restaurant and they get up to go to the bathroom, what's one of the first things people do? Yeah, right. They pull out their phone. Totally. Uh, I never did that. So I would, all, I would just I would take those moments and you're just talking maybe like five minutes yeah. here and there at multiple times yep. during your day where you're just thinking through some things because my, my mind just doesn't stop. Uh, I'm not one of those guys with the nothing box. Have you heard of the nothing box? Oh, I, yeah. I do do you have it. a nothing box? I, yeah, I do. Okay, I don't even have I really a nothing love box. It. I don't yeah. have it. Apparently, I'm like, uh, you know. We'll go find one, one sometime. Yeah, I, 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 I don't have it. My, my, my nothing box is like, oh, look around. Look at the weird corners of my nothing box. Um, so anyways, uh, I really should just get to my linear thought here. Uh, I So far past linear. Yeah, it's, it's a winding, curving. It's I need great. to shoot the rabbits, um, the rabbit trails. Okay, guys. Uh, I I had thought through the things that went into those papers that I wrote. Yes. In those little micro moments throughout the day. Yes. And I uh, I, I thought this just wouldn't even be possible with an nope. iPhone. And I have, or or a smartphone. And I've I've learned, you know, I get, when I got a smartphone, I, the same thing that happens probably to most everybody uh, happened to me. I mean, right. I was absorbed by it, enamored by it, right, thought it was right, so cool. Now right. I can do all these things that all these other people do. Oh yeah. And I probably spent like three years doing that. And then I was like, this is a curse and a plague on yeah, my life. Yes. And even, even with spiritual disciplines, the thing that, uh, it got me about it was, you know, Jesus says, um, you know, he's talking about the parable of the sower and there's the thorns that grow up and those yeah. are the riches and cares, yes, which is the cares of, of the this world. world. It's not choke, bad stuff. The riches. And they just choke, choke out. out the word of I God. Know. And I was like, because uh, I was sitting there saying, I'm doing everything right. I'm having, yeah. you yeah. know, personal devotions. I go to church. I, I'm, I'm doing these things to help myself grow in the knowledge of God. And yet it feels like nothing's working. Right. And I realized, oh, well, according to that parable, you can be doing everything right. Yeah. You have these few things that are you're doing it wrong yeah. and you're going to choke out the whole kit and caboodle. And that's yeah. precisely what I was doing. I was, I was harming my own mm-hmm. walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And this was when I was in ministry here, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, because I had too many yeah. things. So I just, I just started yeah. going, I mean, Facebook app was deleted. Mm-hmm. Uh, Instagram was deleted mm-hmm. and I, I checked them still. Uh, but, I, but it's nowhere. Yeah. It's not on my phone. You know, yeah. if you have to go back to your computer, we, we've, we've made it too easy on ourselves. Sure. And unfortunately, uh, I think, I think there's some science behind this, but I'm not that well versed in it. But you know, there's something called decision fatigue. Have you ever yes, heard of that? Totally. It's, so it's a real thing. Yeah. So you've got you can make a certain number <laughs> of self-controlled decisions per day, yep. and you eventually wear yourself out of yeah. self-control. Yeah. And if I'm telling myself no to Facebook, oh yeah, forty times. That's I right. Forty. I mean, first anecdotally, time. like I use car salesmen as a sort of a, a trope, have figured this out, right? I mean, they ask you what color car are you thinking about getting. Uh, you know, 60 questions before they ask you how much you want to spend because oh. they know that if they just get you to say silver, leather, Bluetooth, sunroof, you know, all these, like you keep making, do you want a bucket seat or a cap, you know, captains, whatever the things are that, that they've just learned from experience. Probably. I'm sure there's wear them down with yes. questions. Yeah. But when I say like, you know, you only need to spend $2,000 more to get this, that you're just so done 
Will you wait here a moment while I go back and speak with my manager That's who right. can make the decision? That's right. And I'm just going to take right. up your whole time because I've got all day oh, and but you, you don't. You know where I experience this most is in restaurants when uh, when a server says to me, how would you like your hamburger done? And I say, oh, you know, medium. And they say, do you want vegetables on it? And I'm like, ah, probably not. But my wife's here. Yes, I want vegetables on it. My wife's you know? here, so now and I then, will be healthy. And then they're like, do you want like tater tots or fries? And I say, well, fries. And like, do you want like something else? And I'm at, at that point, I'm like, just whatever. Just like, just do the thing. Like I'm so done making, I made three decisions. I just want my food. Just do whatever you want, you know? But yes, and, and people are uh, are invited to make, even, even think about this. Do I open my phone to read this notification or not is a decision I have to make. Right. Um, and all day long, I, I forget what the statistics are now, but I mean, it is uh, staggering every time any statistic comes out that shows how many text messages an 18 to 24 year olds getting on average today. Oh yeah. How many notifications those. they see today. I don't even try to remember what they are because so my brain says it's, that's not possible. So I that's forget right. it because exactly I convince right. myself yes. that's not even possible. It's, it's yes. in the thousands. Or oh, it's in the thousands. Yeah. It's oh, something yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Every day, every day, every day. So I, I've said this in front of college students before, mostly to see if they would balk at this. I've said, um, I think it's likely that for many of you, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, you don't have 10 cumulative minutes where you're not, your attention's not being engaged by something asking for it. Like oh by your teacher, your class, your, your, your podcast or song that you're listening to, whatever. And I mean, almost every college student I know is, says, that sounds right. Um, cumulatively, probably 10 minutes. I mean, the first thing you check is your phone. You know, people will use it in the bathroom and while they're eating breakfast and then they listen, you know, social anxiety is, is a real thing. And so people will walk through the college campus with headphones on listening to things and sometimes not listening to things. But um They'll sit in class, they'll get out, they get into the elevator, they pull out their phone, right. you know, like everywhere they go, they do. And then the last thing they see before they go to sleep is a screen. Right. Sometimes playing off into their dreams. Sometimes or waking up in the middle of the night and re-engaging the phone. Yeah, wake up in the middle of the night to do it. And so you, you think about that. Well, think about, and, and I, look, I, I need to be careful not saying they're the only ones doing it because as I've... Lots of adults in the workforce Yeah, as, and, and for me, I mean, as this has increasingly become a, a normalizing thing force um uh you know I, I think that space and time for me has grown smaller and smaller and smaller throughout throughout my adult life too um because so i do i check my, my my alarm on my phone and so i right. turn my alarm off and if there's any notifications on they're too late i've already seen them right know? um Can't. and i set my alarm before i go to bed and so you know i'd use my phone and so um I will say one Part thing. of the solution is getting a normal alarm clock, maybe. Probably, yeah. There's uh, plenty of easy solutions if we could just uh, unplug, you know, from it. Right. Um, I, and and I guess on the more positive side, I do see, um, you know, it's a the, the college students I'm ministering to uh, are most of them now are not millennials technically anymore, and that's so bitter to me. This next generation, and and I do see healthier habits. Um, I, we're, we're not going back. I mean, we're not going back to before cell phones uh, and right. or smartphones in particular. Um, but I do Till the zombie apocalypse. True. When the true. cell towers are taken out, mm-hmm. everyone's actually hoping for it because they feel like it's some kind of utopia. <laughs> in a so weird dark. Orwellian. It's so dark. <laughs> it is so dark. Ah, you're curmudgeon stuff. Yeah. Like you know a, what? I don't even uh-huh. watch those shows, so I really uh-huh. can't say any more to it. Other if than you like, use your smartphone, there's some more global often, disease. You watch those shows. Uh, that makes people eat brains or something like that. It's disgusting. Yeah, that's 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 what those movies are. 
So I see these young students, though, often getting I see many of them getting uh, not 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 tons for sure, but in, they use their phones a little bit less in social settings. Some of them get flip phones. I see people going away from they Apple are getting watches. Their flip phones. Yeah, yeah. And they'll, they'll move away from their Apple watches to get like uh, the, like a Timex or something, you know, probably a nicer one than that, I guess. But do they read um, TechWise Family by Andy Crouch? Students never would. Students know. wouldn't know. No Have way. you heard of that book? Yeah, yeah it's fabulous great stuff. resource. It's okay. great stuff. Okay. Um, the, but anyway, so I, I think so. There's a generation that watched older siblings and have grown up with their parents at the dinner table using their phones now, and 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 they've seen the fruit of that and don't like it as much. Right, push back. And so I, I think that that smartphones are not a wow. Isn't this a crazy? Like we're talking about it. Like what's happened to the world since they've come into the world? Right. The freshmen I'm working with have always known them to exist. So right. this is a this is this is like the telephone at all for you and me. I mean, like like what 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 has television done? You know, it's right. like, well, I mean, I, my whole life there's been uh, we don't television, like it. You know, uh, right. and this so, is why we millennials are destroying the paper napkin and breakfast cereal industries is because we watched the destruction that they <laughs> brought upon society and we've rejected them, right? Can you please tell me how cereal has destroyed society? I'm not familiar I mean, with this it's argument. It's all like it processes the sugar in your body. It's oh, raising the diabetes totally. rate. I mean, yeah. So sugar we don't want the, and, and, and you're not even right. full after eating uh, like three full bowls. Uh-huh. You're hungry 30 minutes later yeah, and you're going to work angry. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I want to. I want so that's to. Why make, we eat yogurt and nuts and stuff like that. I want to make fun of that, but it does strike me that I do but hear right. a lot of pride in somebody, like a lot, even college students today. I hear this pride in like we didn't have sugared cereals when we grew up, and like there's this weird pride in that yeah. sort of thing. It's yeah. interesting. Like I don't have a television in my bedroom, kind of pride. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, it's so much cooler than that. Uh huh. But oh, anyway, this is I think it's a really interesting point, and I think it's it's good to have a little bit of hope um, in things. Uh, it, it is exciting for me to see a younger generation that has looked up to their siblings and parents and said, I don't want to be that way. And so I need to figure out how to change the way I interact with my phone. Now they just given their age and maturity levels and stuff, they, they haven't, many of them are not thinking deliberately and planning these sorts of things. Um, but it's the ways in which they've socialized, um, right. More naturally. And so I, I, again, they're not going back to no cell phone, but I do see slightly healthier habits than I did seven, eight years ago. So this is coming right back around. Um, you know, are are you in ministry preaching about these things? Are you speaking from the platform about yeah. your personal management of technology? Or are you just sort of seeing the evil snuffing itself out? Mm-hmm. Good question. Um, so teaching about it often, yes, but in uh, other settings than like a worship service, usually. Okay. Uh, it comes up in worship service settings sometimes, but uh, let me come back to that for a second. So in, in one-on-one times, like times where just having pastoral meetings with college students one-on-one and lots of small groups, even seminars, um, tons of conversations about, uh, oh, well, addictive habits in general and, and things which, um, choke out the, the, the fruit of the word of God in our lives. Right. So, um, so yeah, conversations come about, come up about that quite a bit. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff happens with communication. A lot of conversations about that. Um, late night texts, uh, you know, trying to un- uncover somebody's whole story before you know them through social media. Like those, those kinds of conversations come up quite a bit, but, um, but from the pulpit probably in like a sermon setting. Wait, th- can, this, we, can we just back up for a second? You said you, yeah. we're, we're not allowed to like figure out pe- people's whole story before we get to know them. I mean, I suppose it's a little bit their fault if they're sharing their whole story, Yeah, but it's, I don't know. It's totally their fault, not my self-control. Uh-huh. 
So uh, yeah, I have actually one of the conversations I have with a lot of guys after first dates, like or right before they go on a date with somebody for the first time. Oh yeah, oh now now I'm seeing like. Uh, so yeah. I talk to them a ton about like how stalking. Well, that, but no, I, I say more like right after you go on that first date, we just do not text her and do not check her social media to see if she says I had a great night tonight. Like sit in the anxiety of whether or not oh. you want to go out with her again. Um, because it's, too, it's too irresistible for you. If you know, she wants to go out with you, you're going to probably say yes again. She's a woman. She's better than you. You know, like you're going to say yes, probably. Gosh, so, I'm so out of this loop. So they're, they're actually, so instead of like leaving it in the land of nebulosity, where oh, there's you have to make that. a phone call or at least oh, text no, no. them back, they're posting the social media, had a great night, date night. Tons of times. Yeah. And it's usually oh. like this weird, ambiguous sort of like had a great night tonight with a special somebody, you know, sort of wink oh face gosh. thing in some form of social media, which tells the world, you know, of course I'm unique and special. Somebody took me out and, um, or, or mm. had a great night tonight. And I'm hoping of course that like this special person sees that and knows, but, um, and, and what, you know, why that's so heartbreaking for me in the end is because I, for the guys I'm walking with in particular, I want them to do the hard work of thinking whether they want to risk again. Right, um, that's what I'm thinking. It's that's and, and removing like, you, you all actually, of the risk, which yeah, you need helps. to sit in this. And so, if if two days later you find out she wants to go out with you again, you've actually had a couple of days to think about whether you want to go out with her again right. before you hear that. And I actually love that. But I, we've got to teach that because we live in a culture that Gosh. that actually that the culture that says um, that that you have a right to have access to that data immediately, so long as there's consent on the other side. And, and it would be, yeah. it's more dignifying for you to get immediately what you want. I mean, so right. we're a culture built on, you know, consumerism and, and instant gratification and debt and all of these things, which lean into, if you're hungry, man, just take it. Uh, and, and so teach, you're working against the cultural tide, an enormous tide. Yeah. You know, to say, why don't you just delay gratification for a moment? Right. And it's like, which might be one of the most important life skills to teach a college student. Right. It'd be just delay gratification. Right. Uh. Well, here, here's Jason Adams pro tip for good, solid relationship because we're like, I mean, you just ask our wives. We're like awesome at totally. marriage. Yeah. No, I totally. mean, totally. My totally wife's awesome. Jones in to hear a podcast yep. with me on it for like, sure. Just kill, <laughs> killer awesome husbands. Uh, you cannot do relationship consistently without risk. And yes. personal vulnerability. Oh, You're risking sure. your personal vulnerability every you single day. You can't live without that, for yeah, sure. It's game on yeah. all the time. As soon as you get married, mm-hmm. it never stops. You get used to it mm-hmm. if you're if you're accustomed to that and that's what you're mm-hmm. signing up for. But if you're yes. not signing up for risk and personal vulnerability, yes. it's going to be a world of hurt yes. every day until you come to terms with that within your marital relationship. Yes. And they're, they're circumventing that whole process. Yes. So everybody, of course, wants intimacy without vulnerability. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it just doesn't work. Yeah. Gosh. Wow. 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 Work. Wow. 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 That, that's actually. It's a little painful to hear. I, you know. I do too. I mean, that's not just them. Well, I yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, I want, I want it dad, burn it. Well, uh-huh. self control. Uh-huh. You don't. Yeah. Wow. 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 Yeah. That that's not a that's actually, that's not a good good thing happening there. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. Well. All right. I want to I want to move on a little bit. Um, talking about, you know, ministry stuff. So working with college students and, you know, I am not, I have found the only German curmudgeon out there. There are others that have the German curmudgeon tendency. Remember, I can say whatever I want about Germans. Uh, and they, they are, they're, they're feeling like, Oh, look at this younger generation. Yeah. It's, it's getting worse. You know, things have gone from bad to worse, which I, I actually, 
Sure, there's some things, trends in our society that have gotten worse, but people are getting no worse. I mean, people are yeah, sure, have sure, always sure. been horrible uh, from, you know, the, the fall. The 20th century was a marvelous time of love and affection around yes. the globe. Yes, I mean, the, the, the Stalin and Hitler, they, they did a great job of, oh, and Mao Zedong, uh, mass genocide. Um, so, no, but millennials are the worst. They're the worst, <laughs> yes, gosh, ah. Go study Stalin, and you'll you'll not say that. Um, so, you know, but you know, I'm I'm hearing pastors lament, and uh, people lament, you know, uh, parents lament, grandparents lament, you know, and basically saying, here's the lost cause. These they're just we're doomed. Our country is going to yeah. <clears throat> because we're Christians. H e double hockey sticks, mm-hmm. <laughs> wink, wink, mm-hmm. uh, in a handbasket. Yeah, and. Um, it's in the Bible, maybe you can say it. Oh, yeah, hell, Hades, uh, Hades and hell are actually different. We should just—I just want to say that they're two different things, two different concepts. I would like to have that conversation. At some point. Well, yeah. maybe if we've got time, we can have like a total separate. Here's the Hades versus hell, con- mm-hmm. you know, add add on to our awesome Hades. But yeah, we'll keep going. Did I say Hades versus hell? Yeah, yeah. I just uh, I'm, I'm tipping my hand a little bit. Uh, oh, you're not okay. Well, we'll we'll come back to that. Okay. So, uh, stay tuned, folks. So what's what's like the positive stuff? Where where is their hope? You yeah, know, yeah, send, yeah. send us a gleam of like, sure they're addicted and whatnot. But I mean the the huh? thing that you have the the huh? next generation coming up is huh? seeing some of the fruit of you know they're, yep. not only are they not eating breakfast cereals, right, right, right. They are tuning out of technology. Huh? What are some of the other things that you're like? Here's the good stuff that we're that sure. I'm seeing that it's a trend that's exciting. Sure. Uh, let me ask you a question real quick. Are you going to have a way for people to have like show notes or something like that? Like can I like can they go and find like a link to something else through this podcast? It's okay if they don't. There, there's a particular episode or book that I want to recommend to people that are interested in this stuff. Technology um, Man says yes. Yeah, we'll say yes. We'll say yes. Yeah. Um, I don't so even know if he's going to edit that, but Technology Man great. nodded. nodded so, yes. so I do want to just uh, throw this out there. I think one of the best resources um, that I've ever encountered uh, that deals with generational trends and, and movements um, is called The Fourth Turning by Howe and Strauss. And it was written in 1998. These are the two guys that coined the terms Gen X and millennial. Um, and, uh, and their, their predictions are ridiculous. Are we are, uh, in just incisive and, and, uh, almost scary. Um, given what 98 was 21 years ago. Um, really and, um, and so they talk, yeah, sorry. Um, but they, um, they talk about, um, the, the generational movements since the inception of the United States. And, um, and it's incredibly, I, I find incredibly encouraging, um, to look at the patterns which have continued to repeat themselves over and over again. So I, I want to recommend that people find like a podcast episode on that. There's a ton of them online right. um, or check out the book called The Fourth Turning. Um, but uh, a couple things. One, um, look, I mean, generation, like 18-year-old, well, I said adolescence. So 16-year-olds up to young 20s now, maybe up to 30, <laughs> uh, depending on how you define adolescence. But but that this time of life has always been really volatile and uh, parents and what we understand from... Uh, just anecdotes, I suppose, in history is that parents have always thought the next generation was lost and weird, and right. Um, and it's I don't because know they are, and we're definitely right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. Uh, and so there's a sense in which I don't, I, I'm not, I don't buy that this, that any of these, the gen, the millennials or the Gen Z generation are uniquely worse. I'm not sure I buy that they're necessarily uniquely better either, but they are responding to what's come before them, and. Um, and so, um, and this is sort of the generational stuff. I, I I'm uh, at the tail end of Gen X, and and we saw, uh, and I can identify the, some of the ways in which this shaped my imagination. I mean, I saw the 
downfall of virtually every institution um, in my head. I mean, from um, you know a lack of trust in some government stuff. I mean, I, I remember watching uh, you know the uh, the teacher blow up on television that we sent, tried to send into space. And as, oh, as, yeah. a, as an elementary 86. school kid, you know, and watching this on television in the middle of my elementary school classroom. I mean, this is the, this is an institution that is larger than me and it's informing my imagination and my character and my virtues and my knowledge and all stuff. And I went, what did we just do? And I, I didn't have a way to think about it, but you know, my dad remembers we put a person on the moon. I rem- so we could do anything. I remember we blow teachers up on television. You know, I remember it's a stark contrast. I, I remember yeah. OJ Simpson. I remember, uh, I remember like this weird Michael Jackson thing that happened. And, and, and just <laughs> like, I, I remember <laughs> the divorce rates going nuts, yeah. you know, and, and, and seeing that in my own family. And, and so Let I me did, do a timeout on that real quick. Yeah. My, my wife was just talking to uh, somebody who said, uh, she said, they said, how long have you been married for? And my wife says, Oh, we've been married almost 13 years. Hmm. And the person, you know, she's like 22 or 23, blown away by that number and said, you never hear that anymore. I know. Isn't that crazy? And I just thought, not even... Yeah, know. you probably feel like you're just getting started. Yeah, I'm, I'm them, just now, I mean, I've been... Yeah. I know I said I was a pro-husband earlier, and that's, you know, that's still pretty much true. But it took me like 10 years to get there mm-hmm. until I had it all... Oh, yeah, I'm going to get struck by lightning when yeah, I leave that's here. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, we believe in, in grace, not karma. Okay, um, but yeah, anyway... The so so I, anyway, I'll have to say as I grew up, I, I, these sort of things happening in the world around me uh, have, have shaped some trends in my generation quite a bit. So Gen Xers are very commonly people that are skeptical about most things, want to do their own thing, don't believe in big institutions or governments, but love being entrepreneurs and just I don't want to trust anybody else. I just want to trust myself. Um, and a lot of the millennials are are these sort of uh, in, in pushing against that a little bit. Are these like groupthink? Um, let's right. do things together. Um, also, I'm not quite sure I buy the fact that if I just make a lot of money and have a bunch of control that I'll be happy because I'm looking at the generation before me and I don't see it. Right. And so, and so like a company can say, we'll pay you more for a miserable job. And that's not compelling for a millennial often. I mean, there are, there are exceptions, of course, across the board, but there are generational trends. And so, um, I, I do think that one generation almost always looks at the one coming right after them. And, and, and the one coming after them is like a little bit of an indictment right. on their own generational norms. Right. And right. so whatever institutions are going to replace our current ones are not replacing them in a vacuum. Like they're not just starting from scratch. They're specifically being created because people don't like the old institutions. And so it's always going to be a little bit – there's going to be tension that exists in the midst of that. Right. And um, th- it reminds me um, of – your question about being maybe sort of open-handed about students leaving my right. sort of pastoral capacities and, and the institution I work with. Um, and a couple of older gentlemen uh, asked me, they were in their seventies asking me about um, millennials and the generation following them. And they said, it just feels to us like um, they're not going to work well in these companies that we run. And I said, they probably won't. Right. And if what you care about, if the legacy that you care about, and I say this with a a catch in my voice, and I realize I'm standing a bit on holy ground even as I say it, because you have sweat and and, and bled and and spent so much of your life founding these institutions or carrying them forward. Um, And it's, of course, going to be heartbreaking to see them fall, but they will. Right. They they will. And And they will be replaced by other institutions in the same ways that the ones you're working with now, uh, you know, are not industrial age institutions. 
Um, and and there's, there's just, they're going to be replaced. And so if you have, if you, if you are looking at the next generation and hoping that they have opportunities to, uh, to sort of flourish and impact the world through their work, um, have no fear. There'll be opportunities for that. But if what you're worried about mostly is whether or not like craft cheese will be here in 200 years, uh, I've, or I have breakfast some, cereals or sugar breakfast cereals. Yes. I have some doubts. Um, that's all I, I have doubts you about know? the cereal too. Yeah. Uh, so hold on, wait, wait, you, you said something too profound to leave it. So oh, I have to, goodness. I'm interrupting you. You don't get to interrupt you this time. Uh, <laughs> what does this mean for how the church functions? Yeah. Interesting. You uh, know, because that's, you know, we're, we're talking ministry here and we're talking how the church works here and churches, you know, churches, ideally there should be a handoff to you from youth yep. pastors. That was part two of, you'll see why I'm saying four. It's because we've got a bonus round uh, coming up in this part two of four with Jason Leonard. I did interrupt him at the end and I asked him a question, but you're going to have to wait on that question again. No naturally great breaking points, but that's where we're going to pick up next in round three. Thanks for listening to a Beautiful Church Podcast. Hope you're having a great day. We'll be back next time. Thanks for joining us. The Chattanooga House of Prayer is a nonprofit ministry based in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where we are seeking the transformation of our city through unified prayer, worship, and action. I want to give a special thank you to those of you who give generously to this ministry. We have just learned over the years that many hands make light work, and it is because of you that we can continue this important mission. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit chathop.org. That's C-H-A-T-T-H-O-P.org slash podcast for more information. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, share it on your social media, and tag us at Chattanooga House of Prayer. Thanks again for listening.